Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. We have a new episode and we have an amazing storyteller. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Anna, to Urbanistica podcast. Hello and welcome. Thank you, Mustafa. Marvelous to be here. How are you doing, Anna? Uh, I'm doing quite well. It's been a media-filled day because we were also filming a documentary about our company earlier. Oh, course, so interesting. Amazing. Times. Now you're like a celebrity and a public yes. figure. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to sort of comment Eurovision Song Contest and <laughs> <laughs> celebrate, but maybe we won't go into yeah, that today. Yeah. And it's so beautiful behind you. Uh, where are you now? Uh, I'm based uh, in Helsinki. Yeah. And our office is in this old, old building, which is like a really beautiful pink or rose, rose-colored building. Nice. So, Anna, I hope you're ready. Should we start? I am. Yes. Let's get going. Yeah. So you are our storyteller. How would you like to introduce yourself to our listener? Yes. So um, I'm a urban geographer, planning geographer named Anna Broder from Finland. And uh, I'm maybe interesting figure from that perspective that I've been studying children's independence, mobility and active transportation. But then afterwards, turned into an entrepreneur so kind of gone to the dark yeah. side from, from back then <laughs> and uh, now you're based in Helsinki I guess right yes yes and uh, we met and you told me uh, quickly about your research and it was very interesting still interesting as well and uh, that's why we are recording this episode so can you give us a background about why you your research within this topic mobility and children yes well uh i mean the background i guess lies in the fact that children's uh children's lives and environments are changing a lot uh childhood obesity is growing in all all of the western world and um i mean while finnish finnish kids for example have have been historically speaking very independent in in international comparisons that is also changing and then kind of another sort of streak to this is is the fact that this environmental health health promotive environment this kind of research discussion has been quite prevalent in united states and uk Mm. so i was sort of thinking of these two themes uh, and then wanted to know if there's something in the Finnish urban structure that actually sort of either sort of promotes or hinders children's children's active lifestyle. So so that was kind of where I started from. Yeah. And in which university you did your research? 
Uh, I did it in all the universities. I mean, back in the days, it was the Helsinki University of yeah. Technology. But yeah, yes. here in Finland. And how 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 did you like start it? If you tell us about like, because you need to formulate this research question, right? To shape it and so on. So how was this process defining exactly what you want to research? Yeah, it's an interesting question. My my supervisor uh, and a good friend also uh, was an East Market Takuta, who's now professor of land use planning in Aalto, but she's uh, by origin, she's an a environmental psychologist who has been studying child-friendly environments. And according to her model, which is actually called Bullerbu, which might be kind <laughs> of fun for the Swedish listeners, but, but uh, the Bullerbu model of child-friendliness uh, sort of states that the, the child-friendliness of environments is is dictated by an abundance of affordances and that is like uh, things to, to do, so yeah. like things to find, activities to do and uh, with um, with the independent, uh, the possibility of, of moving independently in that environment to, to sort of search and find hmm. and be sort of uh, interested in your environments and, and walk, walk and cycle and sort of generally just play and move around so so this is i mean we were thinking about this but then i was at the same time like very in intre- very much interested in the health promotive environments and then i started thinking that could could i somehow sort of sort of match mm. or sort of smash these these things together and then i was reading a lot uh, about the transportation studies mm. in in us and uk and how Obviously, that if you think of urban structure and of the like supercar dependence mm. uh, structures of United States, you don't find anything like that in Scandinavia. But still, I, I have the feeling that the urban structure might play a role there. Mm. And that's where I kind of started formulating the questions. Yeah. And how, where is your like case or, or area? And like, um, tell me more about the, the, the methodology. Mm. Yes, so I was I was researching multiple Finnish cities, mm. so Helsinki, Turku, and Tampere. These are the three biggest biggest cities uh, in in Finland. But uh, I mean, they are not sort of huge metropolises at all. So so they they sort of have both like urban, but then also very sort of rural type of yeah. type of environments. And I was researching fifth and eighth graders, mm. uh, and and we, well, the methodology that we were using was what we call uh, called soft GIS. Uh, but it's a pa- soft, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you probably want to hear, hear yeah, a bit yeah. more about that. Yeah, I love that. to. <laughs> yes, yeah, soft. So, so the idea is using GIS, geographical information systems, uh, to allow people kind of marking their soft like emotions experiences perceptions on the map this was marketas innovation okay and i mean this is part of the public participation gis sort of discussion that has also been quite a sort of hot topic in in like urban planning and geography but is it a device It is, I mean, it is a methodology and, uh-huh. and what we were like innovating and working with at the university has then turned into the company where I, 
where I yeah. work now. And we, we can maybe talk about that. Also, yes. Yeah. It's more later on. But so the methodology was that I, I or then, then later on research assistants were in contact with schools and teachers and uh, sort of we, um, with the help of teachers and, and, and ourselves, we then allowed children and youth to map their important mm. places plus then their school journey journeys. Yeah. So they were they were marking on an interactive inter, internet sort of based uh, map the way they they were sort of walk and and cycle and well use any any transportation method. What are their important places where where these places are, what do they do there, how much they like these places, with whom they come to these mm. places. So sort of trying to capture uh, the many many different uh, sort of things that kids do yeah. and, and how they use their environment mm. and why. Yeah. Was it easy to get permission? Because usually, like now when I'm talking like with the children in the school, I need to go through a school, then school talk with parents, and then I get an okay to talk with the kids. Yeah. Was it easy? Because I guess yours is more like a long-term, bigger project than like my public participation, little projects. Yes, um, I mean, I must. If, if we all in all like think how how life is, I think everything has yeah. become a bit more trickier <laughs> by the year. So, uh, I mean, the first uh, first uh, data set was gathered in let's say two thousand and six seven. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's quite quite a few years ago yeah. already, and then we didn't have that much of a, of a struggle. Uh, but yes, you yeah. need to. I mean, you need to. Yeah kind of get get the permission from from the educational board of the cities and then from the uh, from the school itself yeah. like the headmaster and then the teachers and, and parents yeah. and all of that of course yeah i mean uh, and though i think it's not sort of legally sort of it's not a legal sort of thing that you actually need i mean uh, at least like according to the finnish sort of lawmakers they say that fifth and eighth graders should be sort of they are capable of giving yeah. their consent themselves yeah. i mean i, I mean, think we are quite sensitive yeah here. no i mean also like let's say if i have a child in a school i also want mm. to know like what are you going to do with my kid you know like uh, what is this research mm, so it's also like um, good for for everyone mm. but sometimes it yeah. takes a lot of time too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it <laughs> to, is a struggle to, to get a permission. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So t tell me, like, would you like to tell me how you uh, the 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 process, like, how you were doing with kids, or you want to tell me about the findings? Yeah, I, I guess the process in itself is is not. I mean, the fact that we we allowed kids themselves to kind of map map their environments yeah. and their interesting places i think that is interesting because if you think of a sort of traditional survey you could do it's pretty much sort of I mean, paper and pen survey yeah. it's, it's very structured mm. but then when you allow kids themselves to sort of think of like and think also outside of the box i mm. mean often often when we are researching like mobility choices and transportation we are looking at school journeys mm. Say, mm. for example yeah. but it's just like like one fraction of, of how kids use their environments. So that is kind of, I think, specific about the methodology, mm. like allowing kids to map multiple locations and tell about those. Yeah, so... 
yeah but maybe then like if, if we think of findings uh more i mean maybe like comparing that to the international mm. findings i mean if, if we once again sort of link to the u.s like supercar dependence yeah. uh environments there uh, the constant sort of finding is that uh, the denser the environment is the more walkable it is mm. because there's i mean there are dense density of destinations yeah. so there are things you can walk to there's interesting things mm. there might be sort of walkways uh so dense in like the terms of, of buildings and function, yeah, building not density. only people yeah 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 building density okay yeah I mean, building density and people density, they obviously, they to some extent go hand yeah, in hand. Yeah. And you might also have like big building footprints with no residential density mm. whatsoever. I mean, that would be the, like the general trend in US. Whereas then in, in, in these Finnish cities, interestingly, it was more like moderate density uh, that like produced most walking and cycling. So active transportation, And um, there, I think one, one of the key things was that we have such good public transportation and then kids and, and youngsters of these ages are able to go to, to places themselves. So then they are, they are using, I mean, they are also pressed for time. So they are also using tram and bus when, yeah. when it's kind of useful for them. But then uh, I think like if we think of child friendliness, it's important to not only think of, of the independence, the, the mobility choices and all of this, but like remember the other sort of other kind of, um, well, uh, other end of the fourfold, which is the like multitude of things to, to be done. Mm. And there, once again, then the density of destinations. Yeah. Is, is important so so the central central areas of all of these cities were like really densely marked by children with variety of, of things to, to mm. do mm. so that's maybe the like density message mm. that, that one might want to ma- make at least in Finland the, the discussion about like whether like very dense urban cores are sort of like suitable for mm. for, kids. for kids that was quite prevalent like 10 years ago Mm. when i was doing but maybe less less so nowadays yeah and i know when you say mobility what do you mean by mobility yeah uh it's a good question i i mean both like the mode choice so would it be then like walking cycling using scooter being chauffeured by your mom mom or dad mm. or using public transportation so that is like one part of mobility But then the other part of mobility is the like social, like social part of it. So do you do it yourself with your friends, or do you need your parents or some other guardians mm. to take you? But it's generally like moving, moving around both yeah. from A to B, but then just like moving just mm. for mm. the fun of fun mm. of it. Yeah. So you mentioned that uh, the density of buildings and people is uh, uh, one element to promote like children's independent independent mobility the mm-hmm. accessibility to uh, like a public transportation mm-hmm. are there any other elements now let me think 
I, I wouldn't say that in, in, in like, generally speaking, yes, there, there are elements yeah. like, once again, like the US, US and UK uh, studies show that like having zebra crossings, having mm. sort of safe, safe walking paths promotes mobility. Uh, no, none of that, I mean, these, these sort of structures for mm. mobility are so prevalent in, in Finnish cities that, that you, you cannot say, mm. like, mm. statistically speaking, there were, there were no findings relating to this. But obviously, like, having, having safe surroundings, like, say, safe um, transportation yeah. uh, sort of network mm. is, is important. But then I guess like some some of the like interesting interesting findings mm. are also related to and a bit sort of maybe uh, contrasting in in some way yeah. because also then like green structures green uh, like yeah mm. green structures yeah. Uh, sort of allow for for active transportation and independent mobility when we talk about like the important places that that kids mark. Mm. And green spaces have also other other elements to them. So, so they, for example, uh, when children marked these places and told how much they like about them. So those places that that had to do with like emotional sort of emotional affordances, like feeling calm, being rested, enjoying. So they they were. Uh, more light if they were in greener environments mm. whereas then for sort of more social like meeting friends uh having fun with others these kind of things they were more liked when they were in in denser settings uh. so uh i guess uh in a way also sort of if we think of child-friendly environments and, and urban planning in general i think this also shows that uh uh, we need kind of variable environment. There's no one environment that mm. would be like one type of environment, but, but the sort of multifaceted facetedness of, of of our environments is is what is good, mm. I guess, for kids and for for adults as well. Yeah, and and the the three cities that you explore and within your research, so are they suitable for children in the terms of mobility and transportation? Sorry, the Finnish settings. Yeah, the Finnish cities that, that you cities, had. It. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I would say absolutely so. Mm, yes. Mm. And and are there like uh, some kind of guidelines you have in Finland or no, not really when it comes to children's and mobility? No, no, I wouldn't say mm. too much. Mm. I mean, as I said, like Finnish kids are, are pretty in, independent and that has been a sort of also cultural Okay. Sort of in a way, somehow sort of appreciated that the kids can move, yeah. move around yeah. uh, independently. Mm. And we have many um, planners and traffic engineers and traffic planners mm. listening to you now. So what should we stop doing when we plan cities and when we urban design? Do you have an advice for us, like based on your research and and yeah. and, and uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> it's a good question and i was kind of thinking also thinking of this like what, what to say about that i guess sort of uh, trying to uh, trying to uh, 
give uh, like have have all of the difference of the age groups in in mind in a way. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily sort of building for elderly or building for for children. I don't think that the elements of of good good urban environments are so different for different uh, different age groups. But there's something something I also was thinking about is that like these like teenagers, youth, they are often the forgotten group in mm. our planning mm. and in general. I mean, they are not anymore kids. They don't go to playgrounds, but they also there's they are kind of also often a bit sort of intolerated. I mean, they are rowdy and loud, but at the same time, I and mean, they are for them the most marked thing was like hanging out with with friends so they are like they're everything they do is like very social and somehow like how how could we incorporate that kind of places in that into our urban structures that would allow for that Mm. social sort of hanging out being together without sort of feeling somehow intimidating Mm. for for Mm. other groups of people yeah I don't have any answers, but that's something I've, <laughs> that's, been, yeah. I've been thinking of. Yeah. Do you also have it like, uh, because in Sweden, some um, uh, suburbs, we have like like the youth, they are gathering in the metro stations because they are, especially during the winter, because they have no place to go to. Mm. Uh, all places cost and there are some association, but you know, they close at a certain time. So we see uh, like a, a number of, of, of young people gathering in the metro stations uh, mm. just to hang out out with each other is it the same in finland or how is it yeah 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 i guess these like um like unofficial hanging yeah. out places <laughs> and and to, to the extent that some of these places then play loud classical music to, <laughs> to kind of <laughs> to in a way like make the hanging out yeah less, more sort of pleasurable <laughs> yes for them. yeah yeah so it's um yeah and also, I, I guess this is the sort of Scandinavian or like northern problem. That yeah. the weather is so, so <laughs> nice that it doesn't really permit sort of hanging out in, in the parks. Uh, and uh, you mentioned the first point about uh, we stopped doing is that we focus only on one target group instead mm-hmm. of like planning for people. Like for mm. people. But uh, some people require a specific needs, you know, like some group. Do you think it's we should do some kind of universal design or planning that fits to everyone? Is it possible to do that? Uh, maybe not. I'm. Uh, yeah, maybe not. I mean, of of course, we need to sort of uh, be uh, like inclusive for for people with different needs. Absolutely. So so we need to accommodate that. But maybe I'm thinking more like. I don't know if you had have kids, but maybe you have spent time sort of in a play playground, mm. sort of sitting next to the sandbox yeah. and like think like why is there nothing that would also I mean the kids are quite happy playing with, with yeah. each other, yeah. but there's nothing for you to do mm. ex- except to Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah. So in a way, sort of incorporating different elements mm. into mm. into the places. Yeah. More, more things that we sh- should stop do as planners. You have mm. in mind. <laughs> uh, well, let me think. I'll, I'll go through my through my thinking. I've been so happily chatting with you that I. <laughs> yeah, sometimes happens that. Yeah. <laughs> 
getting now yeah i i think this like uh, my, my main main points with that yeah. i wrote, wrote down is like allow hanging out to happen for youngsters yeah and and also usually i ask uh, my guests about skills that we should learn as a planners uh, what do you think that we should learn or maybe something we have that we should develop yeah well this is maybe sort of less related directly to my to my phd mm. but then then to the work i'm doing right now because i i feel and i mean this this does link also also to kids and youth so i think like what we should learn is uh, how to engage with different populations mm. so so doing doing active outreach to, to different stakeholder groups and, and engaging them in our planning planning processes and, and then transparently communicating about our plans and like uh, also about that about the facts how then the insights we have been gathering from yeah. stakeholders how, how that has been incorporated mm. into the plans so uh, that is something yeah what, uh, like like a theme that I've been working a lot during mm. the past years. Mm. Was it easy for you to communicate with children and to deliver your message and so on during the mm. process? Uh, I think it was. I, I mean, I, I have a history of, of being in scouts. So ah, I nice. Mean, yeah. Hanging hanging with, with kids uh, and talking with youngsters was not problematic. What I... What I think, what I found like more problematic actually is because my my research was so sort of methodological and academic. You know, I mean, it, it was very much sort of linked to the yeah. like academic discussions of health promotive environments and how to measure the mm. environmental exposure and how to turn turn that into research findings. So actually, how to turn those findings into something like really usable in planning. Yeah. So I think that is like, that is the struggle. Mm. And I actually feel that that is the struggle in much of the research that is being done. Yeah. I usually hear this a lot, like um, what, how, or how can we link the findings from the research into the, uh, to the practitioners, like implementing mm. it. And a lot of uh, researchers have difficulties with it. I guess yes. if from your perspective, is it because of or because of what do you think there is like this gap? Yeah, I um yeah, it's 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 a very good question. Mm. And um, I've been thinking this and now that I like after many years actually read through my dissertation yeah. <laughs> because I mean uh, at the company I work, work in Machiner, uh, my my like dear colleague from university is also one of the co-founders, yeah. and and her PhD was about like public participation and and how how this type of data mm. that i was also collecting yeah. and using in my phd how that could be used in mm. urban planning practices mm. to to make sort of yeah. more influential participation so uh if i'm now comparing like how often we talk about her phd and the actual themes there mm. but i i guess there the difference was that we did the research. I was also part in those research processes. So the difference was that we actually worked with the urban planners. Like 
in an ongoing yeah, sort of manner all the time parallelly. Yeah, yeah. So we were reporting, we were doing the research mm. for for the actual cities, yeah. actual municipalities, and and reporting of the findings uh, along with reporting to academic mm. journals. Mm. But my PhD was like purely for academic yeah. journals, and it was like. <laughs> I mean, I was like really climbing higher and higher <laughs> up the ivory type, ivory tower all the time, like fine tuning yeah. my my like analytical skills and methodology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you think you think that it's uh, we should work like together as a practitioner, as a research, like the research should be done together with the practitioners somehow. I think I. Think much of the research would much benefit yeah. from that. I don't say, I mean, there's also this sort of basic level yeah. like research that is like very academic and, and is done to mm. sort of somehow sort of force the research uh, like research sphere mm. to go further and further mm. uh, but yeah, it's it's a very tricky question because yeah. then also I mean it's it's I mean it's for academy it's not good if it's too much sort of dictated mm. by sort of politics and 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 uh, sort of practices yeah. and and like in you. a way like reality. But it's a fine balance. Yeah, because like me as a practitioner, like sometimes I love to read some researches, but like the. Mm. For me, it's like to to not barriers, but the challenges. One is like it's a huge amount of text in the report, mm -hmm. and the other one is like the the language used. Uh, I think it's uh, maybe it's only for me, but like it's not simple, so I can just because you know when we work, it's about time. Like we need to do things, you know. Uh, yeah, so what I what I what I love to see, like okay, if there's some quick findings from a research that I can just like see what is there and then i implement mm. it instead of putting like many many hours it's the same thing with with the reports from like this huge global organization like the report like 250 pages yeah. uh, like for me it's like a kind of hopeless okay i need a week to read it or something like this yeah no, i mean obviously no one will do it it, it should be somehow turned into bite-sized mm. but i mean i now that I read through these articles, one of the journals like required that you sort of like make three key takeaways for uh, practitioners okay. that you need to. And I think that would be like pretty smart yeah, yeah. that everyone should like think of it. Like, so what can you learn from mm, this? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, this is always like this uh, because the research should be a research and not really influenced by what the market needs or the corporate mm -hmm. needs or the politics needs. It should be like a pure research for the common good. And uh, yeah, but at the same time, it at the should, same time, it should uh, be it, the give it back. Should inform the yeah, exactly. impact the common yeah, good. Yeah, give like back, the, give yeah. back to 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 people. And uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting uh, <laughs> discussions about about this topic. But tell me, like, what was the interesting uh, moment in your research, like, or your favorite moment? Um, I guess, like, I really enjoyed the fact that I was creating something new and solving complex problems and, like, reading a lot and then turning it into something 
something new. Yeah. So sort of, yeah. Like I, I would say, yeah, creating new methodological L- and analytical models. Mm-hmm. But as as I already mentioned, <laughs> I was climbing higher and higher. Well, what, do, what do you mean by climbing higher? Like you would dig deep into the... I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you, you start with something like pretty simple and clear. Yeah. For, let's, if, if, if I explain, like, uh, the, like for example, the, like we try to understand how environment affects children's mobility so yeah. we look at where the child is and then we circle the child's home with mm. a 500 meter buffer and then calculate stuff yeah from that from the buffer zone mm. around around their home and say so child's environment is the 500 meter zone around their home yes and then i started thinking well i mean it's environmental <laughs> exposure is a big bit more complicated <laughs> than that so then then i started sort of buffering the places they had marks and then oh, i made like... a sausage buffer like uh, <laughs> along the routes that, that they had taken and i mean you and just I mean, expand and expand expand and expand and like make it more fine-grained and more fine-grained and yeah. i know that the researchers have like afterwards they are looking at the time in different environments mm. and like balancing the environmental exposure by the time and like <laughs> it goes finer and finer but no one in actual planning project can do anything like this i mean no, it's, it's not it's, as you say too, everyone's too, too big time. too big it's, it's too big too right yeah 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 like no one one. (laughs) that's what i'm saying like climbing higher and higher (laughs) so so making making it making it more the time all the time like more fine-tuned and complex but if you make it once again it is it is important sort of in a way like basic research and basic conceptualization of the environment but it doesn't inform the practitioners much because like it's gonna be too many steps and then we just don't want to do it because like it's too big but like it's mm. it's is it good if you like expand and expand because then then you're closer to the reality right you have more data or no i'm thinking wrong here in a way uh in a way i mean yes you do you you have more data but i mm. guess if, if we think of actual actual planning process mm. Uh, and and the data i mean they data needs and if, if we now think of like this kind of engagement data yeah for example like children's environments so there's level of i mean it's it gets saturated mm. how much more data yeah you have uh, and like complexity you can take because you also need to then like draw conclusions and exactly like go further mm. like based on the data may maybe sort of create sort of next proposals for yeah. the Next research, yeah. Park area mm. based on the data you got, so that it doesn't much make sort of difference on on like how did the people come to that park uh, and and did the did the structure of the yeah. transportation network next to that park <laughs> influence yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And what is the? I don't know what to say. The the the, uh, the hardest or slash uh, off moment during this research. I guess there were two. Uh, one one was that I got like constantly rejected by a by a journal where I sort of desperately wanted to have my uh, articles published. Why why so they say was, no? Uh, so 
somehow they felt that it was not suitable for there, mm. but it was it was health and place. So I felt that it, this is There's... this has to do with health and places, <laughs> like spatial things. Yeah. So that was kind of a, from academic perspective, but then like from this other perspective that we have been speaking about here, uh, when I needed to write uh, the summary in mm. Finnish. Yeah. Uh, that was why super hard well because i had been i had been talking and reading and writing and analyzing and researching so much in this academic yeah sphere yeah like reading reading the journals health and place and others <laughs> and, and and also writing there then actually turning that into clear and beautiful finish was surprisingly hard ah Yeah, because you, well, once again, if I compare to Mar, it's my colleagues' yeah. uh, research that we constantly were doing with the mm. Finnish planners mm. and practitioners. So there, we we had we had been. I mean, it wasn't that it was any more like like any less complicated, but mm. we had been creating the vocabulary yeah. and the terminology as we went. And all of a sudden, I was sitting there and, oh, what is this actually? <laughs> what is active transportation in Finnish? <laughs> Because your, your, your PhD is in English, right? In English, and then yes. the summary, okay, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is. And, and this is actually like one thing I think we should consider when, at least in Finland, the like university education is more and more happening in English. Hmm. So I, I think you maybe lack something in your thinking if you don't do it in your mother tongue and that's also true uh, for me i do this podcast in in arabic and mm-hmm. um, i'm from baghdad so uh, sometimes i also find it very hard to take some terms like uh, i don't know place making active participation or community engagement yeah. like, like you know like some words yeah, all of that, things that, that you've been talking about in english every, and in every English time Yiddish. exactly i work with yeah. every day and then In front of my guest, I was like blackout. Uh, you know this word, this word. <laughs> But there was there wasn't a word in Arabic for placemaking. No, there is not. There, is, so I I explain around until they understand. Or yeah, it's, I do this when I lose lose the exact word. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do you do you recommend um, practitioners to go to the research world? And do research. I at, at least I suggest that everyone would go and meet in some good sort of events and conferences. I I guess there are sort of nice nice events that kind of combine yeah. both practitioners and more sort of academic mm. sort of speakers because I think it's super fruitful that everyone we meets with each other and kind of tests their thinking a bit yeah yeah interesting and uh, <coughs> sorry you you work at uh, Mapshoner yeah I love to hear more because I know we we wanted also to use Mapshoner in, in a project so it's it's interesting that you work there as well so tell me what do you do what is your role there as well yeah so uh well I'm I'm one of the co-founders at Mapshoner and and work in the management team But my kind of main task is product management. Yeah. So kind of Mapshoner is a community engagement platform. So it is actually a sort of a 
like product of yeah. the original soft GIS idea, mm. but but the idea is to allow resident stakeholders to map their sort of thoughts. For example, related to a planning mm. planning proposal on a map, and hence sort of creating rather than like random feedback, creating a GIS database of okay. of the like stakeholder mm. thinking that can then be sort of used in planning process by the planners but yeah what what i do i i work in our uh, product management so uh so i i speak with the tech team i speak with our customers with mm. our sales team with our customer support and sort of listen listen to everyone's sort of hopes and wishes and try to turn that yeah. into a sort of workable product vision that our tech team yeah. can then realize Are, for everyone to use it, now, especially maybe during the COVID and after the COVID, a lot of cities start to use Maptioner, right? Is it a yes. lot to do with COVID or no? Uh, what do I you think, think partly it has yeah. to do yeah. with COVID. So the whole sort of digitalization mm. uh, process that, that kind of, I think it geared up uh, due to COVID, but, but using uh, like digital methods of community engagement has been active also yeah. before that. And, and is also actually mandated by law in, in surprisingly many countries. Mm. So some sort of digital methods need to be yeah. taken into, into urban planning. Mm. We have a big discussion here in Sweden about uh, the digitalization of uh, community engagement process. Like, should we only, let's say, send them on Maptioner and they mm. sign in from their phone or laptop and write feedback? Or should we go there and meet them personally, like ERL? Because some comments come, like there, people are usually angry and from the screen they write more negative feedback than a positive. What is your reflection about this? Like how, do, how should we approach this? Yeah. So did you say that uh, when, when they are using digital methods, they can be angrier? The, yeah, they are a bit more yeah. like a complaining extra. Yeah, this is super interesting that you say that, because I think one thing that Finnish planners said after starting using Mapsner, they were surprised by the abundance of positive and, and constructive feedback cool. they, they got. So because... I mean, if you think of, of a public meeting, yeah. there it often sort of uh, the discussion is is uh, around sort of yeah. being against the changes that are yeah. about to happen, and there maybe I mean the loudest people who are the angriest yeah. <laughs> get, might get sort of mo most hearing time in a way. So, I mean, I'd say that digitalization has brought up more positive. Yeah. Uh, more vo more voices, more the, voices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like voices, the broader yeah. outreach, more like variable yeah. resident groups that are being reached. That yeah. is not to say that that digi digital methods are sufficient. Not at all. I think we should. It should be part of the sort of toolbox in in the community yeah. engagement. So so absolutely, public meetings are needed. And then if we are sort of aiming towards actually sort of inclusive mm. uh, engagement, we also need to have strategies for actively uh, engaging those people mm. who are hardest to reach. So active outreach yeah. to, for example, immigrant populations, they, they for sure uh, don't too often come to public meetings, yeah. but there might be sort of 
problems uh, with language skills, yeah, yeah. etc. So mm, interesting. So, uh, do you do you think a lot about the different um, age groups when you work with Mapshner? Let's say this is uh, for uh, this age group, or this is only for children, or this is only for old people, and so on. Yeah. Well, now uh, I must confess. I mean, I I don't work <laughs> at all yeah, anymore, yeah. more or less, like with this. Things, but I know that customers, I mean, age group is often asked or always yeah. asked as part, part of background yeah. questions. And then uh, cities tend to do sort of specifically for kids and youth, mm. some like specific outreach things. Um, just because, uh, well, they, uh, I guess it's sort of, they want to go to, for example, schools or yeah. some, some events. They maybe want to ask a bit about different things. Mm. There was one sort of very, uh, very interesting sort of um, example from Cardiff, uh, yeah. UK lately, where they were, where they, where they were, were asking sort of youngsters about their sort of perceived safety mm. in urban environments. Yeah. So, I mean, it might be that the themes are like yeah. directed to, to sort yeah. of specific groups. But in all, all in all, I mean, if we think of urban, I, I was saying that urban environment should be done so that it suits kind of it's good for everyone. Yeah. So I also in a bit feel that like engagement, like community engagements, for example, these digital mm. tools, they should also be done in a way that they are suitable for everyone, almost yeah. everyone. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's no need to be so complicated that you need to make another thing for, for kids. Uh, or, exactly. For example, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you should strive for clarity mm. and and simplicity. Of course, I I think like from my perspective, is is good to have the combination. Of of course, with the, like a tool like a Mapshoner, we we gather we we reach out to so many people that we dreaming mm. even of going to them, and also mm. collecting different types of data and so on. At the same time, I think it's always good to show the face of city, you know, like to be on the ground, to talk Absolutely. to people, to to understand why they are angry, to take their questions, uh, like to build a relationship instead of yeah. uh, hiding behind screens. I, I met like in so many different uh, these community participation dialogues, people were super angry. They told me like, mm. we we never met a person from the municipality in five mm. years. So, you know, yeah. so, so that's why they are angry. But if, from my opinion, like if we are there also as well, of course, digital should be there, but also we should be on the ground, talk with them, um, that explain is true. to them. That is true. And I think like in, in maybe most sort of beautiful, uh, beautiful cases, you can sort of uh, combine even. Exactly. So maybe you do something like digitally. And when you go and speak with people, you also maybe share what you have done yeah. digitally yeah. In, in another, hey, this is, I mean, we heard, heard mm. from this and this many people. This is what we got to look at the results. How do you feel about exactly. these results? So then, I mean, I don't say that, that people should not be sort of let's be angry it's good to also hear that but also to be able to sort of then talk about the actual mm. thing at hand yeah and they're they're using that like 
like big data data gathering methods and then turning that into something that's yeah. sort of more tangible and discussing about that exactly. is a good good way of sort of combining digital and yeah. physical I, th- I think I think for many angry citizens there there is like there are some reasons you know that made them become so angry uh, during mm-hmm. the dialogues but I, I like your idea actually I I will try to implement it like gather data first and then to the next ERL meeting also talk about these data and yeah. see like how yeah. how much and I mean yeah and people might have interesting insights they, yeah, they might always. see, yeah. see yeah. sort of see something some patterns in your mm-hmm. data that mm-hmm. you might sort of not recognize yourself yeah you might hear more they say oh yeah I see this this pot on the map yeah so many have yeah I know that the problem is and, and you can kind of enrich yeah the, the digital data with yeah in how, real life how is the the competition in the market now are there many other platforms like this yeah is it growing uh, they are popping yeah it's growing okay it's, they are popping all the time so it's it's kind of fantastic even i mean we have been in the market for 12 years yeah and obviously we started very slow we were doing our mm, phds mm, mm. on the side and a couple of babies and and what's not <laughs> but uh i mean First, we were so alone talking about community engagement, and digitalization. <laughs> yeah, they're like, why? Yeah, exactly. Why? What's the point? <laughs> yeah, no. Why, <laughs> girls? Don't try. Uh, but so, in a way, I mean, it's nice because then you have more voices yeah. speaking yeah. about the like value. Yeah. Of doing this kind of things. Mm. Where? What is the next step? What do you want to? Create or where do you want to head as a platform mm. or a tool? You call it tool or platform? Platform. Platform. Uh. Yeah, tool is not enough bad at all either. <laughs> um, I, we we want to make the like uh, integrating the data mm. that has been collected like more profoundly to the processes and, and like be able to communicate about the about the. Uh, data gathering mm. and and analysis uh, in a better way because um, I mean uh, as as you said people are people can be angry uh, there was a recent study in Finland by Pilvinummi and Evelina Harsia they they studied the the stakeholder um, perception of the engagement process mm. and what they found the more clearly it is uh, communicated what has been done, yeah. what has been found out and what is going to happen next, mm. the happier the people were nice. about the process. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's all about like being transparent. You maybe don't need to include everyone. I mean, you never can. But but just like being able to talk about like, hey, this I is everything we did this week. Communicate yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. and transparently mm. showing how how people's yeah. voices are being heard and how it affects the planning outcome. There is a saying. What what was the saying? Like if you if people don't know about it, they are afraid from it. Something like this. Mm. We mm. we are afraid of things we don't know. So like mm. I think as you mentioned, Anna, if you if we communicate what we are doing, maybe they understand our journey and join us and support us as well. Yes. I, I think you're absolutely right there. And I mean, 
of course, I mean, unless your living environment is a total mess, you don't want any changes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's your yes. home. <laughs> I mean, you you want things to stay as they yeah, you are yeah. used to it, and it's your it's yeah it's your place, your environment. So you, but then if we think of of like all all the changes that are about to happen, yeah. our lives needs to change in so many ways. Yeah, that's true. Climate change and everything. So, uh, I mean, having people on board in that and like having those mm. discussions and, and communicating about what's yeah. about to come, I think it's like super, super important. Of course, now. yeah, yeah. No, the thing is that uh, as planners, architects, we are working with city developments, our goal is to make a better everyday life for people. So to mm. make their life easier instead of mm. creating new problems for them. Yeah. So this is the mission that we are actually working with, making yeah. a life easier, better for them, not uh, causing new problems and challenges. So, uh, Anna, we talked a little bit about your research, about your workplace and what you do at work. Let's talk more about you. So we are in the, okay. in the final section of this episode and it's going to be more about you, Anna. And my first question about what motivates you to do what you do? Yeah, well, I'm motivated by creating a change. So actually sort of allowing for better processes and in the end, like more livable and lovable environments for us all. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what gives you energy. Yeah. Awesome. Actually seeing seeing changes happening. Yeah. And uh, what do you want people to say and tell about you when they read your name 100 years from now, like in the future? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I wish them to say, oh, woo, this, this lady was part of the Mapsionaire team. I remember uh... what they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, cool. I'm modest. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And um, name names something you did in your career and you're very proud of. And then something you did in your career and you look back, you're a kind of regret or you don't want to do it again. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we've been able to turn a research innovation into an actual business. I think that doesn't happen too often. So, so we, have a, we have 15 people working with wow. Mapsioner and that tool is used in, in 40 plus countries by hundreds of organizations. Wow. So, I mean, that is That's and huge. All, all of this, like with, <laughs> with the geographers background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think, and I, I also think that we've been able to sort of, to some extent, or already sort of change yeah. the planning practices and the, the style of engagement that is happening. Yeah. Bring so that together. I'm pretty proud yeah. of. No, I can tell you as well, like, uh, I know like you, you're a company working and so on, but what's, what is good that you do, you bring us closer to the community, which I really mm -hmm. appreciate. So shout out to the team. And yeah. uh, what is the thing that you regret doing it or you don't want to do it again? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I was, I was joking about being modest in my, in my sort of vision of, of people <laughs> uh, like sitting at my grave thinking that wow this this person was behind Mapshiner. But I think what I'm regretting a bit is that I've I've been quite modest. I think I could have 
I could have been braver. Even. Uh, in which in which specific in, situation? Uh, well, in, in many ways. I mean, I think like uh, partly having the academic background, there's this like constant. I mean, you are to learn to be sort of constantly self-critical. Okay. So yeah. that, that is part of a part of research. Yeah, I, I hear this a lot. Yeah, yeah. From yeah, researchers, yeah. yeah. So, but that is, I mean, that is not a fantastic streak when you uh, are supposed to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> then you should just go like, whoa, yeah, yeah. Like, we are the best. best I have the best solution ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then you're on one hand, on the other yeah, hand, yeah. <laughs> there are these drawbacks and uh, it might be. So, yeah. I mean, I could have been like, braver entrepreneur but but it's a huge it's a big transition for you also like from academic self-criticizing everything to entrepreneur that should believe and push and pitch you know like it's a huge transition totally different (laughs) mindset so it's it's not easy weird like looking back yeah i understand it was such a complicated thing but that's something I'm I'm regretting a bit. That yeah. It took us so many years to <laughs> sort of really start believing yeah. that, hey, we're going to do this. <laughs> Which one is closer to your heart, like being Anna the researcher or Anna the entrepreneur? The entrepreneur. The entrepreneur, easily. like the... Yeah, easily. Really? Yeah, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I must believe in it <laughs> by now. <laughs> no, so you're you're in the right place or doing the right I'm thing. I mean, I'm in the right place. I was in the right place back in the days. Yeah, in, the, in that time, yes, yes. Yeah. Interesting. And how do you like, because I know entrepreneurs, they are very passionate about what they do. And sometimes it gets into the family life, hobbies, uh, private lives. For you, how is it like to separate between these two? Or do you separate? You don't? You enjoy it? How is it? I, I do separate between mm between other life and work life yeah. so i i mean i've i've struggled with it as i guess everyone in in like this brain economy yeah. does it's it's uh your your phone is with you all the time yeah. but i have two kids that keep me busy and and then i have have hobbies that are completely separate so i mean i i try to yeah. have have also other other life but what, what do you do as a hobby Oh, I, I do granny stuff. I, I sing <laughs> a cappella band. I knit. Oh. I I bake sour bread. I, nice. I, I would love to say that I do some sort of sports or something, but yeah, <laughs> you need to pick your, not maybe pick your battles, but there's yeah. just so much time <laughs> yeah. you have. That's true. <laughs> and you say two yeah. kids, two kids, right? Yeah, two kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, are they also like into this urban planning atmosphere or not? No, not really. Mm. No, well, they are five and nine, ah, so it's still, a bit ah, hard. Still, yes. So they are I still like more, quite yeah. young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, hard to say. Uh, Anna, if you choose another profession to work with, what would you like to do? I would love to be an editor in Finnish language. <laughs> editor? Yeah. You just complain like, about well, the some, summary. Some, some, some <laughs> professional professional working with Finnish language. Ah, okay. Why? You just complain about the summary thing. <laughs> yeah, but that is, I mean, I, I have quite high standards for, yeah, for, yeah. for like good, good quality language. Yes, yes. So, and, and there I kind of noticed it also. Mm-hmm. But I mean, 
I used to study Finnish at the university for a very short period yeah. before I understood. Ah. I mean, it, it's it's been a dream, but then I understood. Oh, <laughs> on, 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 this will I mean, this is not smart. Go back to your geographic <laughs> studies and finish them. <laughs> okay, so you want to work like in um, a newspaper? Where do you want? No, no, I would rather sort of I would like to polish other people's texts, ah, just like... and that is something I get to do here as well. Oh, that's good. I mean. Uh, as part of my work yeah, yeah. here, so so when 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 we do finish finish text, yeah, so you go I'm, through. I'm and always check like it. I'm with a red <laughs> pen there. <laughs> this is so interesting. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you're enjoying this. Awesome, Anna. So in the end of this episode, we I have the three um, last questions. Uh, the first one is that you give a message to yourself. Yes. My message to myself is that, hey, Anna, kick your kids out of the house more often <laughs> so that they can be independent in their surroundings. Uh, Even if they are five and nine, I mean, they are completely capable. So kick kids out. <laughs> kick kids out. Uh, allow them to get to, so yeah. bored. Uh, to experience the, the world. Yeah. Yes. Nice. And three takeaway messages to our listeners. Yes. Uh, well, this is actually linked to the message to myself, but yeah. I think like uh, message one, make good and exciting environments for everyone, allowing for unexpected things to happen. Mm. So don't polish it out too much. Yeah. And then uh, message number two is also related to this. So positive experiences in the environment motivate people to move around and explore their surroundings so creating this positive yeah. loop of yeah. going around and uh, then point three uh, is related to engagement so listen to the thoughts of children and youth as part of your engagement processes for planning uh, kids are often clear and innovative thinkers. True. That's so, so they true. are, I think they are more sort of uh, yeah. pro, I mean, okay for changing yeah. the status quo. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And uh, the last question is going to be you asking it to us. So what is your yeah. question to us? My question to you all is, if you have kids, how much freedom, and not just in terms of independent mobility, but also in terms of scheduling, do you grant them? Mm. What do you mean by scheduling? Scheduling. I mean, I mean, uh, this is something that I've been thinking with my nine-year-old mm. uh, son, who, yeah. who doesn't have that many hobbies because he just would like to hang out. Yeah. But it's kind of hard hard to hang out and be active in your environment if everyone's schedule is super packed. Ah, uh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, understand you. like the the sort of independent play and exploration mm. for kids requires other kids. Exactly. Who are, yeah. Yeah. There is and a, this I think yeah, this is actually yeah. something we spoke about when we met yes. in Helsing Body. Yeah. And it's I mean there's I mean, this is one of another sort of another thing where we have this fine balance. Mm. There needs to be some independence, but too much independence is obviously like terrible. True, that's very true. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. 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 That's true. But I'm I'm guessing that our listeners are mainly sort of educated mid mid class middle class 
uh, sort of middle aged folks. <laughs> so for them, like this scheduling mm. and freedom is, I think, yeah. It's an important question. It's a very good question. So Anna, I'm real happy that we talked and uh, we chat with, you, with each other. Hopefully also see you in the, I don't know, coming conferences, events, or maybe podcasts. Mm -hmm. But thank you so much again for giving your time to this. Thank you, Mustafa. It was a pleasure. And hopefully we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Ciao. Okay. Hey. Ciao, ciao.